0: Hello and welcome to Podcaster's Live. I am Steve Worthy, your host. You know, today's episode we are speaking with James Critlin. And James Critlin is the host and editor of the wildly successful podcast called Pod News. It is a daily podcast and it only goes for about 3 maybe 4 minutes sometimes and he provides a massive Overview of the industry at large, the podcast industry at large, but he also has a another weekly one, and it's called Podland, and he does that with his uh, co-host Sam Sethi, and they go deeper into this idea about podcasting. They interview some of the most dynamic. Uh, people in the industry. They go deep and broad into things such as value for value. They talk about international podcast growth. They do so many different things. This interview today, I wanted to break it down and go a little deeper with everything that we've talked about. We're going to be going deeper and a little bit around the idea of what is a podcast. And then we're also going to talk about how to grow your podcast internationally. We're gonna talk about value for value and I'm gonna go a little deeper into my thought process on some of the things that James will be talking about today.
1: Are you ready to tap into the power of live streaming to grow your influence and build a true community around your podcast? Then welcome to Podcasters Live with your host, Steve Worthy. In each episode, Steve and the gang unpack the best tech, simplify proven techniques, and chop it up on the latest trends you need to know to create the kind of show where your listeners want to tune in live. Sound good? Let's get started. Yes, yeah, Steve. Oh well, thank you so much, Steve, and thank you for uh, inviting me on as well. I really appreciate it. So, um, Pod News is a, a daily newsletter and a daily podcast, um, which uh, focuses on the news going on in the podcast industry. Big news today with uh, Spotify buying uh, two podcast analytics companies, which we might come back to a little bit later on. Um, I've been doing that for the last um, nearly five years. So, started doing that in twenty seventeen. It was actually um the idea came to me in a pub in los angeles i was uh, chatting with a friend of mine and, and they were saying where do you get your news about podcasting and i said there isn't anywhere really is there and he said oh maybe you should maybe you should fix that um and so that's basically how i got into this but i've actually been in uh podcasting and the audio industry for a long long time i launched the first podcast from first daily podcast from a radio station back in January of 2005 in the UK. Uh, So that was before Apple had put podcasting into uh, the iPod at the time. So long, long, long time ago uh, and have been involved um, in uh, audio and podcasting, uh, you know, ever since, including working at the BBC and at various places across uh, Europe, um, North America and here in Australia.
0: I got to tell you, James is extremely humble. You know, when you hear his introduction, you know, one of the things that you just think about is you just think he's just a regular guy kind of going and doing his thing with podcasting, And and he is. But when you have people, companies with the likes of Apple, Spotify, YouTube, right? Google, all of these companies, when they think and want to know a little bit more about what podcasting is and where it's going, they go to James Critlin. So I love the fact that he just talked a little bit about his his podcast. And just to let you know, that podcast, Pod Pod News, receives over a hundred thousand downloads per month. So just a little bit of taste of what's to come with this interview. And let's go ahead and get into it with one of my very first questions that I asked James and it is what is a podcast?
1: Oh great. thank you for giving me that one uh, the first the first thing
0: <laughs> I ask every guest this question, and I think it sets the tone for every interview and live stream that we do and here's why because there are probably two to three different ideas or schools of thought around what a podcast is and I wanted to have James introduce in his own words what a podcast is because of his vast experience with podcasting and you'll be interested you'll be very interested to hear what he has to say here he goes
1: so uh three answers to what is a podcast there's a technical answer which is it's uh, to do with an RSS feed it's a piece of audio normally could be video delivered via an enclosure in an RSS feed. That's a very deeply boring technical answer. Um, If you ask people and you go out and do market research, as many people have done, and you say, where do you listen to your podcasts? Actually, places like YouTube appear very
0: high. Interesting. YouTube. Right. Think about that. Think about in the state that we're in right now, or the culture that we're in. A lot of times, You know, YouTube, uh, Google, right, they are just massive search engines. And so think about what he just said. He said that right now, people, when you ask them, they tend to think about YouTube being the very first place that they go to actually get their podcast. So if you're thinking about doing a podcast, you may want to think about how you're going to incorporate YouTube into that process.
1: Um, And particularly when you ask people in uh, countries like Germany and uh, countries like uh, France and in other places, then YouTube is the number one place where people are consuming podcasts. Um, If they think that that's podcasting, well, great. Um, Let them think that that's podcasting too. Um, My definition is um, a little bit easier.
0: I've been waiting to hear what James is going to say around his definition of a podcast. I kind of know, but I'm just really waiting to hear what he has to say.
1: My definition is that it's an audio-first medium, so it might have video attached to it, but the audio should work alone, Uh, and it's on demand. So it's like a radio show, but on demand. And that's basically uh, the definition that I go by um, because I think actually at the end of the day, if you tell someone that's just watched, um, not that you can watch Joe Rogan anymore, but if you tell somebody that's just watched Joe Rogan on YouTube that they haven't been watching a podcast, then they'll look at you and get very confused. And I don't think that's particularly helpful to any of us. So, um, yeah, from my point of view, a podcast is a piece of audio-first entertainment that is, um, or, uh, or information that is um, uh, available on demand. And that's basically what a podcast is.
0: Very interesting. You know, audio-first, audio-first and on-demand, right? I think when we start to think about this idea, this definition of a podcast... You know, if you want to check out my episode with with Cher Jones, she came up with this idea, this concept of what a podcast is, and I actually really like it. She said it's a produced conversation. And so when you think about what James is talking about in audio first, I think the, the medium of delivery has always probably been the point of contention when you think about a podcast but I think the essence of a podcast is a produced conversation, whether it's highly produced or it's, you know, not, you know, it's whether it's highly produced or it's something that requires not a lot of, not a lot of production, whether it's produced via audio, whether it's produced via video live stream, it is a produced conversation where you are trying to create content in conversation with someone. And so I like the fact that James talks about the, the audio aspect first, but more importantly that I think the delivery method of a podcast is one of the most important things that people have to realize of what takes place. The other thing that we say a lot with podcasters live is that starting a podcast isn't the problem for a podcaster we feel discoverability is the number one problem for podcasters because the barriers to enter and record a podcast are fairly low fairly low and i think james would agree with that so one of the questions that i did want to talk to him about was around this concept and idea of discoverability and what does that necess- what does that look like you know from his world and what does he do Um, And his thought process around discoverability.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, discovery is a really important thing and how people find your show, you know, is, you know, could be all kinds of different ways. And, uh, you you know, a way of people finding your show could be um, just the fact that you tweet about it or you put it on LinkedIn or that sort of thing. Um, that is a great funnel to get people in, but to get people to subscribe either to the newsletter, which is what I would like you to subscribe to at podnews.net, or subscribe to the to the podcast audio as well. Um, so, you know, discovery happens all over everywhere. And I think there's a lot of talk at the moment around podcast apps and the discoverability within podcast apps and, uh, you know, is it good enough and blah, blah, blah. Well, actually, how much discoverability actually happens within podcast apps anyway? Um, Normally, the, uh, the highest amount of podcast discoverability is word of mouth. Uh, But it's also a lot of off-platform stuff as well. And uh, I think we should probably, you know, be looking at that and making sure, you know, one of the big mistakes that many podcasters
0: make is they'll link to
1: their podcast on Apple Podcasts.
0: I thought this was an interesting point that he's actually about to make. Right, we get so fixated, especially over here in the States, we get so fixated on Apple. And it's the go-to for all of the apps. And so what he's about to say will actually you know, be very constructive for all of us as podcasters when we start to think about how we're linking our show, what we're doing for discoverability, and the go-to app that we currently use.
1: By all means, link to your podcast on Apple Podcasts. That's a good thing. But don't forget that uh, 70% of the world uses Android and there isn't an Apple Podcasts for Android. So what you're doing by sharing your um, uh, a link directly to Apple Podcasts is that you're annoying all of those Android users. You're annoying people that would prefer to listen on Spotify or on other platforms like Pocket Casts or Overcast or whatever it is. So always, always, always make sure that you're linking to ideally your own website. And if you don't have a website, then go and use Uh, a service like podpage.com, which will give you a website for your podcast automatically um, and use that rather than sharing to, you know, the lovely people at Apple or the lovely people at Spotify or whoever it is, uh, make sure that you're sharing um, so that that share works for absolutely everybody. And that's a really important thing.
0: So when we discuss discoverability, it's important that you understand that there are different mediums out there. There are different platforms that you need to use Right, we talk about YouTube a lot. And one of the interesting things that has taken place is that a lot of people have started to put their podcasts on LinkedIn. And what I mean is they really just have their static image up there and they have the audio playing in the background. And James decided to do that with uh, his podcast, Pod News.
1: Well, I, fe- I felt to myself that... Um... Uh, you know, there was a way of automating what I'm very big on doing is automating as much as possible. And I figured out a way of automating a way of taking the audio that I put together for the pod news uh, podcast every single day. And I figured out a way of doing that so that it ended up being uh, automatically uploaded onto YouTube. So and I've actually written an an article on uh, how to do that, and I figured that um, it might not get very many people uh, the YouTube algorithm doesn't like, uh, static images, um, or fake video as other people call it, but there again, it does get some people and, um, you know, typically, um, you know, I'm getting, a uh, hundred thousand downloads a month. Uh, typically every episode is getting about 10, 15 views on YouTube. And that might be 10 or 15 views that I'm not getting, uh, you know, everywhere else. So that's important. And on the other side, um, there's a bunch of research, and I think particularly uh, a piece of research um, done for the, um, I think done for the Canadian uh, podcast listener research, which asked the question, how do you use podcasts in YouTube? Do you um, do you go back again and again and again and watch podcasts in YouTube? Or do you subscribe to that podcast in your favorite podcast app once you find it in YouTube? And the answer was 71% of people actually will subscribe to a podcast in their podcast app once they've found a new podcast on YouTube. So it's a great promotional uh, tool, even if it's not particularly good for additional views. Um, That's certainly been my my experience anyway.
0: During my discovery call with James, you know, we talked a lot about Podcasters Live and talked about the concept of Podcasters Live, which is helping podcasters create community and authority by using live streams one of the things that i wanted to make sure that people understand and i think james said it as we were discussing in our in our discovery call he said you know you can be discovered somewhere else but your but your you, your podcast can be discovered somewhere else but the consumption takes place wherever it is that you actually send them so think about that think about what he just said right even though his podcast receives 100,000 downloads a month, and that's audio downloads. He still felt it was important for him to actually use YouTube to put his podcast up there as just another medium for discoverability, right? Once again, getting started isn't the issue. It's actually getting your podcast discovered. And so if you have someone like James Critlin who has actually taken the time to actually you not just do the audio podcast, but to also put something up on YouTube, it may be something that you want to think about. I think a question that a lot of podcasters want to know and they don't maybe have the answer to is how do people actually listen to their podcast, right? There are podcasts that I listen to. I listen to too many, to be honest with you, um, that I listen to, whether I'm in the shower or I may be driving or working out. And so how I listen to podcasts, you know, is, is different. You know, I think about the podcast industry from when it started to where it is now and how are people actually listening to that podcast or to their podcast? So I posed this question to James.
1: Well, I mean, my, you, know, you know, my background, my long uh, hi- historical background has been in the radio business. And one of the things that really works in terms of radio is habit. Um, it's the habitual thing of waking up in the morning, listening to your favorite breakfast show, whatever it is that you listen to. Um, uh, when you get in the car, the radio is on and it's your favorite radio station and so on and so forth. Habit is a really important thing for uh, audio consumption. And so making that habit work in terms of podcasting is what a lot of people are working on right now, which is why the New York times daily is so successful because it's a daily podcast. It replaces, if you like that breakfast show that you weren't listening to particularly, it replaces that and gives you some really good content, um, within, uh, 20 minutes or so. Um, so shows like that, that are using habits there, um, are making a big change in terms of how podcasting you know, is actually going, which is why any podcaster that is doing a great job um, will always have a very consistent uh, release time. So um, both release time in the day, but release uh, day of the week so that uh, people... Uh, Know when your next show is going to come out, that people will, um, you know, set their watches by it. Um, And it confuses people if you don't follow that particular consistency.
0: So being consistent with your podcast is extremely important, right? Developing a habit because people will come to set their watch, set their time, set their schedule a little bit by your podcast. And that just leads into this next point. Around downloads. So anybody who who has heard me before, you understand, I am not anti-download. I am pro-consumption. <laughs> I don't know if there's a a difference there, but i'm I'm pro-consumption. I want people to listen to your podcast for as long and as much as possible. And so, when we start to go into these ideas about what downloads actually really mean and their overall importance, there is a major role that downloads do play, but it all depends on why is it important for you as a podcaster? What is your why behind your podcast? And so I think downloads actually will play a very unique role. So one of the things I did want to talk to James about was I did want to talk to him a little bit about this idea about downloads.
1: Well, I mean, you know, downloads is, uh, is a really interesting metric. It's the only metric really that podcasting has overall. Um, we don't necessarily know the number of listeners that we have. We don't necessarily know, um, you know, we know a bit about where they are, but it's very, uh, you know, um, blurry data, if you like. The one thing that we do know is how many podcasts have been downloaded from our server. Um, but even that is actually not that useful because a show can be downloaded but never listened to. Um, If you use Overcast, for example, as your podcast app, then Overcast will sit and download new shows for you, literally until your phone fills up. Uh, It never stops. Um, And uh, so you don't know that those are being uh, actually listened to, and that's fine. Apple Podcasts has a slightly different approach. What Apple Podcasts does is, um once you've stopped listening to a show it will stop downloading it um i think you've got 3 or 4 episodes to go and have a listen to before apple podcasts essentially stops um but what that also means is that uh, you know even with apple podcasts there is a, a percentage of um of um shows which are downloaded which are n- never listened to
0: okay so I'm not saying that James is validating my point around um, downloads versus consumption, right? But But it's so true, it is so true. When you have a podcast and it can be downloaded and no one can listen to it, no one can listen to it.
1: There was a bug earlier on last year which ended up showing actually uh, that the figure for Apple Podcasts was somewhere in the region of thirty percent of all downloads weren't being listened to. Now, if you're an advertiser, that's fine; it's already it's already um, it's already priced into the uh, price that you're paying to advertise on a podcast. Um, but that's you know a thing just to bear in mind. So, I think from my point of view, um, you know, the the important thing is to watch the trends not necessarily watch the numbers um, are you going up are you going up consistently if you're coming down why is that you should be able to go back and and work out what it is that you, you changed that is that is harming your figures or what is it that you changed that is making your figures grow more and actually look more at the trends rather than the actual numbers will really
0: help when i first got back into podcasting in 2019 with my podcast, The Worthy Podcast, horrible name. Um, You know, consumption was okay. Content was actually pretty decent. However, my podcasts were too long. One of the first things I did was I actually looked at the Apple Connect and look at the consumption of my podcast. So when James starts to talk about looking at the data and the trends, I think you as a podcaster, live streamer, you do yourself a disservice if you don't look at it. And you just put out the content, and you, and you don't see actually what's taking place. So what I realized was that people were falling off in my podcast at about the 30-minute mark, and that was at 30, 30, maybe 32 minutes or something like that. And so what I did was I used that data, and I shortened my podcast. I shortened it to 25, sometimes 30 minutes, and my consumption went from around... I guess around 45, maybe 50% all the way up to as high as 78, 79% that people were actually like completing, you know, my entire episodes. And so you have to make sure that you're actually following the trends. If you don't, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Let's get back into it, James.
1: At the end of the day, you know, that's one way of seeing how successful your podcast is. Another way is how many if you're podcasting for a business uh, you know how many people mention that podcast when they're, um, when they're working with you, um, how many pieces of email you get uh, you know all of that kind of stuff how many people are following your uh, your uh, Twitter handle all of that kind of stuff is also really important in terms of um, just measuring how well your podcasts are going.
0: one of the things that I wanted to talk to James about was this concept of podcast 2.0 and it's been talked a lot about in the industry, right? when we start to think about the internet, right? You know, web 2.0, there are different things like that. There has, there has been different iterations as it relates to process content, um, use case and UI, um, improvements as early city internet we start talking about web 2.0 but one of the things that i don't think a lot of podcasters even thought about was this idea of what is actually podcasting 1.0 like that's the i think that's where a lot a lot of people are and so james goes into this idea and the concept about what podcasting 2.0 is take a listen
1: Podcasting 1.0 is where, we, uh, where most of us currently are in terms of podcasting over the last uh, 15 years is that Apple saw podcasting as being a really good way of filling the iTunes music store with stuff that wasn't music and stuff that was free and stuff that was available in every country in the world. And so that's why Apple jumped in and thought, well, you know, podcasting looks like a good idea. We'll do that. And one of the things that Apple did is they were a good custodian of podcasting. They kept the whole thing open. Um, they, uh, did a few useful things in terms of, um, setting a standard category list, uh, requiring, uh, podcast thumbnails to be the size and the shape that they are, uh, and all of that kind of stuff. And Apple did a really good job in 2005 of setting the standards down so that uh, when you were in the Apple podcasts directory, you know, those standards were set and away you go. And then Apple sat on their hands basically for 15 years. And they've made very few changes. They've made a few, but they've made you know not that many changes in terms of um, the fundamentals of how podcasting works. Um, and so what podcasting 2.0 is all about is it's about taking the standard RSS feeds that we use, adding more information to those RSS feeds to add more features and more functionality into podcasting. And so from a podcaster's live point of view, one of the things that um, is currently being worked on is the opportunity of being able to um, press a button and tell everyone who is listening to your podcast that you are going live right now. Um, And you can uh, instantly see that in your podcast app, as one example. Another example is transcripts. which, uh, you know, uh, bizarrely, podcasting doesn't have a standard way of doing that yet within the RSS feed. Well, now there is a standard way as part of podcasting 2.0. And, you know, and there are uh, many other of these uh, new tags that people are working on to really breathe new life into RSS and to allow it to do many more things um, for the benefit of uh, podcasting. Now, what uh, Podcasting 2.0 is additionally doing is they're building stuff into podcast apps, which gives very small amounts of money as you listen to a podcast, um, to the podcaster. Um, and allows you to um, donate more uh, they 're called boosts and allows you to donate more to um, to a podcaster if you want to. Um, it uses cryptocurrency rather than um, normal uh, you know dollars and uh, pounds and things because um, it 's much easier to do uh, very small payments using that using that uh, sort of thing um, but that 's a really interesting way of Um, of seeing value from listeners go straight to the podcaster without any third party in the the middle of that.
0: And one of those benefits that kind of came out of 2.0, podcasting 2.0, was this idea of value for value. Value for value gives your audience an opportunity to kind of exchange some value or give you some value for your content. know what let's have james talk about this but before he gets into the cuts of value for value i want him to talk a little bit about this bet that he actually has with adam curry
1: (laughs) yeah yeah so i said last year i said that apple podcasts won't be stupid Uh, they do understand that 70 percent of people out there use android phones rather than iphones and now that Apple Podcast is earning money from selling subscriptions to podcasts, which is a very valid other way of earning money, uh, now that Apple Podcast is earning money through that, and they keep thirty percent of the um, of the money that podcasters make that way, um, it's in Apple's interest. To launch Apple podcasts on Android, um, and I said that that would happen last year. Um, I did promise um, I did uh, uh, promise uh, Adam that if I was wrong, I would pay him a hundred thousand SATs, which is uh, somewhere like sixty dollars or so um, not that much, but anyway um, and I lost that bet, but i've uh, gone for the bet again for this year because i can 't believe that Apple is going to be stupid enough to leave. Uh, 70% of the world's, uh, um, mobile phone base alone when they could be earning money, uh, from, uh, selling podcast advertising, uh, from, uh, podcast, uh, s- subscriptions. They've never done that before. They haven't done that in the last 15 years. So it's made no sense for them. I think it does make sense for them now. Um, There's an Apple Music app for uh, Android, an Apple TV app for Android. Um, There's no reason why there shouldn't be an Apple Podcasts app, uh, you know, either. So um, I fully expect one this year, I think. So one of the problems when you're making a podcast and you get it sponsored is that you have a relationship with the sponsor. You have a relationship with the advertiser. The advertiser is uh, paying you money, and so therefore... you know, it, it kind of, you know, if the advertiser, so at the moment, uh, Pod News is being sponsored by Libsyn, and Libsyn is a great podcast company, and they are sponsoring Pod News for this month, and that's very kind of them. If there is a negative story about Libsyn um, that appears, um, then there is a question about should I really be covering this? Because Libsyn are paying for the, for the newsletter this month, you know, is this a good idea? And um, in my case, I would still cover it because, you know, well, why not? Um, but you can see many people would um, ha- would find that quite compromising. And particularly, if you end up saying lots of things that advertisers don't like, um, it, then you'll find it quite difficult to get hold of advertisers. So the point of value for value in the, in the overall thing is to um, is to take away funding from advertising um, which is editorially constraining and move that to your audience. If your audience finds what you do valuable, uh, then ask them for some money or ask them for some support or for some value back. Um, and so that might be you know giving me five dollars on paypal, that might be doing, uh, you know, that might be, uh, I don't know, doing some uh, smart branded clothing or, you know, or all kinds of things. But giving me some value back um, that is, uh, that is, you know, recognizes the value that I give that particular person. So that's the, the, the overall value for value thing. And, uh, you know, Adam Curry has been uh, living, literally, it's been paying his wages uh, for the last uh, five years or so. Um, just asking the listeners to his uh, shows if you get value from this, we would really appreciate some value back again.
0: My interview with James was live, and as he was finishing answering that question, we received a an amazing question around the FCC and their control or their potential control of this idea of value for value and and Bitcoin and the looseness, if you will, of regulatory uh, constraints that are really associated with that. And will there ever be this idea of will the FCC ever come in and actually add some regulatory mandates or constraints behind value for value, which over time could hinder its cachet over time, it could hinder uh, its effectiveness for people to provide value to their podcasters. Here's his answer.
1: It is a great question. Um, I don't see the being the benefit of. Um, so there are some FCC rules which are already regulated. In podcasting is uh, subject to the same laws that um, um, that exist in other parts of uh, of uh, life, and if you do. You know, if you're promoting things which are illegal on your podcast, then you're already breaking the rules. So the FCC doesn't need to be jumping in there. Um, The reason why the FCC does a very, um, you know, a very uh, uh, good is is uh, a subjective um, thing. But the reason why the FCC is regulating things like broadcast media, TV, and radio is that it's a finite space. There's a finite amount of radio stations that you can put onto FM or AM. It's a finite amount of TV stations that you can put onto free-to-air TV. Um, and so, therefore, that's why it's regulated. It's regulated because it's a public space and it needs to be, um, and it needs to be used correctly. That's not the case when it comes to podcasts. Um, so I don't think that FCC regulation or the equivalent, um, in other countries, CRTC regulation in Canada, God help you, you really don't want that, uh, or Ofcom regulation in the UK. Um, I don't think it's relevant because actually, um, it isn't a public space that we're on, um. There's, of course, been a lot of discussion recently about Joe Rogan on Spotify and before that, Alex Jones on Apple Podcasts and other things as well. At the end of the day, you know, podcast directories, some of them can be closed. Some of them um, can make their own business uh, decisions on whether or not they want that content in their platform. That's up to them. They're private businesses. Um, There are other ways of um, getting hold of uh, podcasts. But, of course, the the, the important thing around RSS feeds is that um, if you know the RSS feed of a podcast, you can subscribe to it on on pretty well any any podcast player anyway. So it's kind of immaterial if somebody has blocked you from a, a directory or something because of what you end up saying. Um, so i'm not too concerned about fcc re- regulation and i don't think that they have any particular interest in it more than they already re- regulate this particular space anyway
0: you know I, I speak to a lot of podcasters and one of their points of contention that they have is around celebrity podcasts right we see all this we saw the proliferation of celebrity podcasts happen during the pandemic we saw more and more celebrities getting into podcasting and sort of almost kind of taking over the space or at least that's what it felt like to a lot of podcasters. And one of the things is the one of the questions that's always posed is are celebrity podcasts good for podcasting? or is it something that's actually kind of a fad? if is it is it here to stay if it's not, why not? Interesting question. And I wanted to give Jane's perspective on that.
1: Uh, I think we're already beginning to see it fade out a little bit. I mean, what we, uh, what we saw, of course, in the middle of the pandemic was that uh, all of these celebrities who would normally be schmoozing around, doing all kinds of things, flying on their private jets and, uh, and, and filming on uh, movies and all of this stuff were stuck at home and they couldn't do anything. And then their agent said, why don't you do a podcast? And so um, that's basically why we saw so many celebrity podcasts over the last uh, 18 months or so. Um, that, uh, you know, is clearly going going down now. Um, you say that celebrity podcasts all do very well, you know, 30,000 30, downloads and that sort of thing per episode. I'm not sure that's the case. And what I think we're actually seeing is we're seeing companies like Spotify and Stitcher and Amazon um, and, you know, many others throwing an awful lot against the wall and seeing what sticks. And most of these new shows won't go anywhere. Joe Rogan has been podcasting for more than 10 years. That's one of the reasons why he's so successful. Um, And my guess is that, um, you know, out of 50 shows, one might be really good. One might be the smartest of celebrity podcasting, and the other 49 – We're not going to mention because, frankly, we don't know their names (laughs) because they're simply not not good enough. So so that's where I think we, we are in terms of celebrity podcasts. The problem with a celebrity podcast is that celebrities, quite a lot of celebrities, are celebrities because they have sparkling scripts written for them by Hollywood script writers Um, They come over as being incredibly funny, incredibly quick-witted and everything else. And the only good thing that a celebrity has actually managed to do is to go to drama school, learn how to act, and then remember a script. Um, And when you put them in front of a microphone and you say, go, talk to all of your friends, make some interesting audio, actually, most of them don't know how to do it. Um, and I think that shows actually that podcasting is rather harder than we think it is, <laughs> you know, it's rather harder to come up with, uh, you know, decent interview questions, um, to, you know, have an arc on, you know, I do a lot, an awful lot of moderating at uh, conferences and that's a lot of hard work to work out exactly how you're going to introduce people, exactly how you're going to make sure that everybody gets their say exactly, you know what the Uh, how the conversation is going to move from subject to subject to subject and everything else. And um, it's not as easy as just rocking up and having a conversation. And I think that that's something that we kind of forget
0: about. Well, I don't think we have anything to worry about as it relates to celebrity podcasts as podcasters, as long as we're consistent. I think one of the things and areas that we need to focus on now is not just our own area from a podcast growth standpoint. If you are in the United States, you have to start to think about growing your podcast internationally, and it is easier than you think. It is not that hard. One of the ways to think about it is that where do you push people? We talked to the, we talked about it early in episode around. Hey, just don't send people to Apple Podcast. Why? As James explains, the rest of the world is not just on Apple, they're on Android. and that just opens up an entirely new world. So think about it.
1: But in terms of, um, so in terms of iPhone versus Android splits, for example, in the US it's actually 50/50, uh, iPhone Android. Um, typically what we see in the US is that iPhones are owned by um, uh, people who have money. And Android phones are owned by people who have less money.
0: Okay, Android people, before you get your 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 knickers all in a bunch, you know he's just quoting he's just quoting research, right? So that's what James does. He quotes research. So Android users, I just wanted to make sure. 'll no go uh, giving James a hard time about what he just said
1: and that's typically what we see although that's not fully the case um, but that but that appears to be be the case when you start looking at other countries particularly into northern Europe um, then you can see that um, you know Android has 70 80 percent of the market and uh, an iPhones far far smaller the Czech Republic for example I did some um, you know, some numbers around that. And the iPhone has, I think, a 17% market share in that country. Um, so it's really important for you to be promoting your podcast on things that aren't Apple podcasts in those countries. Um, that, may be, uh, that may be Spotify for you. That may be many other ways. Um, and there are different podcast apps in different countries as well, which you should be aware of. So if you uh, podcast in Spanish, you'll already know about Evux, which is a big um Uh, Spanish or Catalan uh, podcast app um, that's very, very popular. Um, There are really popular podcast apps in India where there are 125 million English speakers. Um, You should be there. Um, It's free to get in them. Um, One is called Gana, G-A-A-N-A, and one of them is called GeoSarvan. Um, and those two, um, well worth getting into because your podcast will uh, reach a, a massive, massive audience in there, particularly if you're around business and entrepreneurship and stuff like that. So focusing on getting the right um, uh, apps is important, promoting the right thing. The other thing is just just being aware of the differences between your culture and other parts of culture throughout the rest of the world. Um, if I'm talking about the best way uh, to uh, the best way to save for your super, um, then uh, you're not going to understand it. People in the UK aren't going to understand it. People in Ireland aren't going to understand it. But if I if I talk about saving for your retirement, we'll all understand it, um, because I'm not using that uh, piece of uh, very uh, very local uh, jargon. Um, it's not quite the same for Americans because obviously uh, American culture is uh, is available throughout the world. But I think it's just worthwhile, you know, bearing that sort of side of it in mind.
0: And it would be highly, highly negligent of me to have James Critlin on this show and not have him give his perspective on the podcast industry this year and then the next two to three years and down the line. I'm interested to hear what he has to say.
1: Yeah, I think we will see an awful lot more consolidation. Um, uh, and we've seen more of that today with uh, Spotify uh, purchasing those uh, analytics companies. I think that we'll see you know um, uh, consolidation going on uh, you know with uh, other people as well. Um, and certainly Amazon seems to have deep pockets at the moment. Um, iHeart Radio appears to have worked out how to spend money. Uh, again, uh, instead of just lose it. So that's a good thing too. So I think all of that is uh, worthwhile keeping an eye on. But I think also the other thing just to keep an eye on is different ways of earning revenue from your podcasting, That may be advertising, but it may also be a v- bunch of other things as well, whether it's value for value, whether it's um, live um, shows and all of that kind of stuff. Um, if I was a betting man, I would also say uh, looking at fiction drama rather than just interview shows i suspect that fiction drama will really grow over the next uh, year or so um, partially because that's real ip that you can take to tv shows and tv companies and movie companies but also partially because that stuff's evergreen that stuff never goes off
0: so james raises the interesting point you know we have a lot of these companies youtube netflix google Amazon. A lot of these companies are getting into podcasting, and it begs the question of why. And he has an answer for that.
1: Yeah, indeed. I mean, they're using it for two for two ways. Firstly, to test new stories and new um, you know new ideas for shows, uh, and also they're using it the other way. They're using it as ways of getting their audiences to focus a little bit more um, on the TV shows that they already have. You know, Apple, uh, HBO, Netflix are all doing what they call companion podcasts. So there's a podcast that come come out at the same time as the TV show, and allows you to go deeper into that particular show, um, and hopefully keeps that viewer as a viewer who's watching that show for rather a lot longer.
0: I got to tell you, it has been the highlight of my podcasting career to have James Critlin on my podcast for Podcasters Live, and the level of knowledge that he has, his ability to share everything that he's been working on and his thoughts about the industry are literally second to none. Hey, James, I just want to thank you for being on Podcasters Live and sharing the value that you have with our audience. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm looking forward to having you back and uh, so we can talk a little bit more about everything around podcasting with Mr. James Gridlin.
1: Steve, thank you so much. I I I've really enjoyed chatting with you. I hope to do so again one day.